Shall we begin? Why not? Welcome to Frankie Sense and More. It's like she's got a whole lot of goodness for you with a little bit of sass. Frankie, did you just say... She sure did. Not to mention... <laughs> along with... Whoops. Join us now as Frankie Picasso and her new co-host mix it up with authors, musicians, and interviews with world-changing people. Let's begin Okay, let's begin now, because it only makes sense. And hello there, and welcome hello. to Frankie Sense and More. How is everybody today? Fabulous. Huh? <laughs> yeah, I hope everybody listening is fabulous. That's yeah. my guest, Frederick Bai. Say hello. Hello, hello. Well, we are going to Africa today, Fred. Mm-hmm. Nigeria and Benin. Yeah. We're going to travel the world, but before we do that, I, first, as I said, I want to welcome all of you listeners. You came back each and every week because I really thank you for that. We both do. And also, um, as you know, Frankie Sensenmore is aligned with the United Nations Global Goals, and we love those goals. And every week we share a story and try to give you a good news story that aligns with one of those goals. We're going to take you through all 18 of them eventually. But today, uh, Fred has a story for us. What do you think? Yeah. Oh, this guy in Rio is amazing. I love this guy. His name is Master Chef Massimo Bottura. Now, I'm not Portuguese. Okay, I'm sorry if I messed up his name. But, you know, he, he's feeding thousands of Rio's homeless with Olympic leftovers. Oh, what and, a wonderful idea. Yeah. He created a gourmet soup kitchen. And, again, I'm not Portuguese. Sorry for the, <laughs> for the name. But it, the name of the restaurant is Refettorio Gastromotiva. Nice. And uh, he took on one symbol of Olympic waste. And that is the more than 230 tons of food <gasps> supply daily to prepare 60,000 meals for athletes, coach, and wow. staff. And, uh, you, know, you know, to him, he says, no, it's, it's not a culture. It is a cultural project and sure. not a charity. And uh, really, he does that to rebuild the dignity of the people. And, um, you know, every night, a new menu is whipped up by a guest chef uh, with the help of students enrolled in vocational training training program and they're cooking 5000 meals per day. I love so, that. Yeah, yeah. And and you know what after the yeah. after the Olympics leave town the plan is for the restaurant to become a normal restaurant a lunch and a soup kitchen in the evening and really the price of one lunch will cover the cost of a dinner for Rio's less fortunate. What an amazing move. What an amazing fantastic idea. What a great move. You know, I know that a lot of the people in Rio, they're very poor. They have, you know, the poorest of the poor. Mm. And they were upset with all the money that was spent on the Olympic structures and the Olympics. They don't get any of that money. And they're going to be tearing down a lot of it after the Olympics. It's like, wow, you couldn't even leave a swimming pool for these kids or something. Like, how crazy (laughs) is that, right? Yeah, I know, I know. A chef who thought, yeah, there's a lot of food waste. There's a lot of food left over. Let's feed the hungry. Fantastic. Our, you know, our hearts and our blessings and everything go out to you. Kudos to you, chef, for uh, thinking of these kids. That's awesome. Yay. Mm -hmm. Well, I... Africa's calling us. Africa's calling us. And we have um, uh, just the most amazing ladies on today. Both of them are socialpreneurs and philanthropists. And we'll start with Vanessa, Vanessa Mbara. I hope I said that right. Oh, you messed it up. You <laughs> messed I? it up the same did way I? that I did. I messed up her name, too. <laughs> it's uh, Mbara. Mbara. Yeah, how do you yeah. say it, Vanessa? Mbara. It's Vanessa Mbara. Mbara. 
I the, told, same way, I, the same way Freddie said it, he was Mbamara, you know, the first Mbamara. time. What, yeah. you, guys, you guys have an accent on the different, it's different. It's like it's like when you go yes. to Cuba and, and, and they use yeah. a clave, it's just a different, you know. I don't know, it's kind of a gangster a- accent. It's cool. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's a it's cool really accent, cool. it's a cool side of <laughs> Okay, so I'm, I'm going to say the I'm going to say the way you said traditionally because I'm, I'm I'm actually using the accent I'm I'm changing changing it locally you know traditionally it's pronounced mbamara Mbama. you know that mbamara yes but you know staying here and everything and we just call it mbamara to make it easier Mbama. for other people so Vanessa Mbamara. <laughs> She's yeah, a Nigerian-born socialpreneur. She's the founder of Zitalian. It's a multi-armed organization that's dedicated to raising up women and children, regardless of where they're from. And the Zitalia Foundation is uh, has three arms. One is a nonprofit. It's a humanitarian organization where uh, they focus on women, girls, street kids, and orphans uh, by bridging the gap between them and society. And I think you call that lack. And that's the yes. LSD. Uh, the yes. EWD, which stands for Empowering Women with Digital, uh, this arm, it recognizes the um, how women, you know, can really contribute significantly to the economic growth and development uh, in their society. And so it's businesses that they have tried to start, women entrepreneurs, that you help by teaching them how to leverage digital in today's world. And that is yeah. amazing. Now, um, you. you also have your own marketing company, and you help small and medium-sized companies leverage uh, what they also do through digital services, regardless if they're women or not. Vanessa, I have to ask you, you are Nigerian-born, yet you took your business to the Republic of Benin. Why did you do yeah. that? Uh, well, first of all, um, after I lost my mom in 2009, um, I just wanted a new start. I wanted to go somewhere else. And so I moved all the way down to Republic of Benin, you know, to start life afresh with my daughter, you know, my siblings. And I would say um, I went through a lot in Benin. I went from living on the streets at a point I was homeless because, oh. you know, we couldn't afford to pay, you know, rent. And, you know, so I went through a lot. And while while going through all of that, I stayed in an area where I actually saw these kids, you know, their parents couldn't afford to send them to school. I saw I saw I saw life, you know, so I just decided I, I said to myself, if I was going to do something or when I started something, I'd, I'd go back there. I'd start from there. It, it's an area called Champame, you know, here in the Republic of Benin. So, I mean, I, I went through a lot here in this country. And so I feel that it, it's, it doesn't really matter where you are, even if you're. Even you don't have to. I don't have to go down to Nigeria to do this. I and here I see these people every day. I see everything they go through every day. You know, so that was the reason why I decided to have this here in Cotonou. You know, um, Vanessa, there's a fine line, I guess, really between homeless and having a home, and it doesn't yeah. take very much, does it? Sometimes, like yeah. to go from one to yeah. the other. And mm-hmm. you like you mentioned that you lost your mom, and and you know, so you became an orphan, and and you yeah. also were raising a child on your own. Yeah. Um, but you have these skills. Now, did the skills come before or after? Well, they came after. Oh, okay. Yeah, they came after and, because... And, um, sorry? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Um, when I came down here, like, after... Because my mom was not educated, so we went through a lot, you know. It was it was really difficult trying to 
help her because, you know, she didn't really have a lot of skills. She just knew how to, like, sell and, you know, make a little profit here and then. So as I gave birth, I, I was kind of scared because I didn't want to be like my mom. I wanted to be like her, like, you know, the good qualities, but I didn't want to end up, you know, a mom without no skills, no educational skills, nothing. So I had to go back to school. I forced myself. I was doing, like, um, I was running two jobs and I was schooling at the same time. And after that, I went to, I had to learn other skills. But before then, I'd gone into IT school to just learn a, a bit. But it wasn't everything. So along the line, I just had to put myself into work, you know, into learning every skill available to help me, you know, do what, I mean, just become someone, someone tomorrow, which, you know, I'm still in the process of. Mm. Hey, Vanessa, I interviewed you before, and uh, yeah. tell us really the story about your childhood, because I think that's where your foundation really came from, uh, your story. <laughs> you have a deep story. Tell us, yeah. you know, tell us a little bit about it. Okay, um, well, it, I'd like to say that, I mean, I had fun on <laughs> on Frederick's show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was my first, actually, and I was really nervous. But anyway, I, I got the great. hang of it. Yeah, thank you. Okay, so um, growing up... Um, don't tell all of it, though. Wait, don't tell all of it. <laughs> because yeah, Vanessa, I, know, I, I guess, is, is, is an author in, in a new book that's coming out. It's called I Bared My Chest. And so we mm -hmm. want you to be teased by her story, but not hear mm -hmm. all her story, because we want <laughs> to go out and buy the book and hear what she has to say. Right, Vanessa? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> okay, so um, anyway, I went through a lot while growing up. Uh, first, um, I lost my dad pretty early. And so I was stuck with my mom. Well, not stuck, stuck. But I mean, I was actually yeah. stuck with my mom and my siblings. And I had to give up a lot. I had to sacrifice a lot because she taught me how to sacrifice a lot. You know, how to mm -hmm. just focus on, you know, taking care of my own. How so many I siblings? Did, I, I had three, two sisters and a brother. And you were the oldest? Yes, old, oldest. But actually, I mean, I, I came from an extended family. So my, my dad had two wives. My mom's oh. the second. And from my mom's were four and then my siblings on the other side. So, but we, we didn't really have a close relationship. So when I say family, family, I just mean my siblings, yeah. my mom, that, that's just it. So right. while growing up, you know, I had to make a lot of sacrifices because I just had to be with my mom. I was kind of like her support, you know, and she didn't really have anyone by her side. So growing up, I saw the struggles of being a, a widow and not being educated, how, how she had to struggle through, you know, running a business, managing a business. And then at the same time, while I lost my mom, you know, it was just me and my siblings. They Everyone relied on me. Everyone was looking mm -hmm. for me for support. So I just had to find that strength. And so that led me to um, looking towards, you know, working, having, having um, a group or a platform to work with these kids. Because I know what it felt like to not have people to look up to, not, to not have people to stand for you. And right. at the same time, you know, my mom going through all of that, it kind of like helped, it kind of formed me and, you know, gave me objectives. I didn't know then that these were things that I was, I didn't know how it was going to help me today. But, yeah. you know, going through all of that has helped me um, build um, what, I, what, I, what I really, really want. Mm -hmm. And you're doing such an amazing job of it. I just have, you know, Thank kudos you. to you for, for everything that you're doing. I love the, how you say, I'm a builder, and, and you help people become builders too. And so you yes. have all these fantastic ideas that you're bringing to life. Why don't you, um, oh, we're going to go to a commercial break in about a minute, so I don't want to get you into something really big. But you've got, <laughs> okay. you've got a few projects that, are, that we're going to talk about when we come back. Then you've got Project Back yes. to School, Project mm -hmm. Give Back 2016. 
We talked mm-hmm. a little bit about um, the EWD, but we can talk a little bit more about that. Um, and you started a new partnership with TWAY Media in Nigeria to yes. um, also teach these women how to leverage the digital uh, yes. experience in today's world. So those are big, big things. But we're going to go to a commercial break. We are waiting also for Victoria Nakong. She, we're having a little bit of trouble getting her online, but we're going to find her. I know we will. Don't go anywhere because when we come back, we've got these two ladies and we're going to the movies today. Brent Marshall is here. It's the end of the month. So you don't want to miss that either. Stay Yay. tuned. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back. Heck no. We're just getting warmed up. Frankie Sense and more will be right back after we pay the bills. It's Merging Here's some fun facts about noses and ears I'll bet you didn't know. Did you know your ears secrete more earwax when you're afraid than when you aren't? And generally, people with asthma have better hearing than those who don't. Now, here's a word for you. When someone gets their ears pierced, they're actually piercing their pinna. The pinna is the fleshy part of the earlobe. Did you know it's possible to sneeze so hard you can break a rib? That happened to my husband's secretary once. And according to research, you'll blow your nose 250 times this year. Scientists have also determined that the smell in your right nostril is more pleasant, while the smell in your left nostril is more accurate. By the way, twice as many men as women can wiggle their ears. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's words you never Recently, I was out having dinner in a restaurant with my family, when suddenly, for no apparent reason, the hostess started to lecture us about our behavior. She made us feel like real ninny hammers, even though we hadn't done anything. Nevertheless, our hostess was sanctimonious as a cacalorum. That's an old Dutch word meaning someone who crows a lot. She must have been born a smell fungus. That's a person who loves to find fault with others. I really wanted to say something, but the old adage came to mind. Don't insult the alligator until after you've crossed the river. Once I went out with a group of people for sandwiches and coffee, when one person said to the waiter, make sure my coffee is in a clean cup. When the waiter returned, he asked, okay, which one of you gets the clean cup? It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words. And we're back, and the gang is here. We got Frederick by my co-host. We have Vanessa. To do it. I'm going to do this. Wait. Mama. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. I give you thumbs up, thumbs up. <laughs> there we go. Uh, she's here, and and we're so glad that she is because she's just absolutely amazing. And we said that we were going to talk about some of her big projects that are coming up. I mean, she's got grand ideas, and why not? Everybody should have big ideas, and she's a builder, so she's going to make them happen. So, you know, I know that Fred asked you about your mom, and we can talk about her. Oh, she's back. Victoria's back now. Um, and, you know, we can talk about and you did talk a little bit about the significance of her passing and, and the role that it, you know, put you into as, as, you know, the head of the household and everybody's looking to you to, you know, kind of keep them. So, 
you know, did you have big ideas when you were a little girl? Like, what did you think you would be when you grew up? Um, while I was young, I wanted to be a medical doctor <laughs> because um, at, the, at, at that time, um, I was sickly. I was really sickly. I was asthmatic. Yeah. And my mom, well, it was sometimes it was difficult to take me to the hospital. And at the same time, she fell ill. She, she, she used to have high blood pressure. And so she had a lot of drugs she was taking. Sometimes it was really difficult to take her to the hospital because of the bills. You know, so I said to myself, okay, I was going to be a medical doctor so I could help my mom, you know, treat her. And then she wouldn't have to pay um, all the bills while going to the hospital. So that was what I actually wanted to be when I, when I, that was what I had in mind, you know, growing up to be a medical doctor. Wow. And after being a medical doctor, you, you kind of, as you were a medical doctor, you, you, mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken, you, you, your creative urges were not met. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what happened? Yeah, yeah because, um, well, it was too structured. Medical school was too structured. You couldn't just, you couldn't just go, you know, do what you wanted. You had to follow the flow. You just couldn't be operating someone and decide, okay, fine, I want to try this new thing. Or I, I saw this on, on video and I want to try it. It wasn't really possible. So I felt restricted and I couldn't really create, you know. Mm -hmm. So I just, I just said to myself, probably this wasn't for me, you know. And an opportunity came out when, well, at a point, mom couldn't afford to pay my bills, my, my yeah. tuition and all of that. So I jumped at it and I saw that, like, look, this was an open door. Just, just leave this place and... You know, so I took that and I left medical school. <laughs> so, so now let's. Hey, Fred. Fred, I just want to say um, hello to Victoria. She's with us now. Oh, hello, <laughs> Victoria. Uh, welcome. Uh, we don't. Thank you. you don't want to be on on uh, video because it, it kind of um, hurts the sound quality, and we're on radio, so nobody can see anyway. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, cool. Thank you, and we're just going to finish up with Vanessa, and then we'll we'll come and we'll talk to you for a few minutes, and then we'll all talk as a, as a game. How's that? Okay, yeah, so, that's so, fine. Great, thank you. So, as I was saying, now let's fast forward. Okay, you you, you kind of okay. didn't do the medical thing. You kind of you you kind of wanted to uh, satisfy your creative urges type thing. Now let's yeah. fast forward to Project Give Back because that's what you're about to do, right? For in September. Yes. yes. So no, Project Give Back is December. Okay. Um, okay. Actually, Project Give Back is uh, in December on the twenty fifth on Christmas Day actually. Um, okay, it started last year because I remember growing up and sometimes it was really difficult for us to celebrate Christmas as a family because we have this thing in Nigeria. Christmas Day, especially on the 25th, was all about eating rice and chicken, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> so sometimes we couldn't afford to eat rice and chicken because, it, I mean, it was really expensive. Imagine, imagine the whole of Nigeria going to buy chicken and rice on that day. So it was yeah. the, the prices were hiked up. It was really, really difficult. So most times we didn't have the luxury of having that. So for us, um, we just we just said, okay, why not? Because for me, the the, the kids on the street are my brothers. You know, mm -hmm. the girls on the street, the orphans, they're all my brothers because we're all together in our own world. Unfortunately, we didn't ask to be this way, but you know, life put us in this, you know, mm -hmm. in yes. this environment. So to me, they are my brothers and they're my sisters. So what I what what we decided to do was why not just go out and spend Christmas with them? Let them have that feel of what Christmas is all about. Because if you look around, a lot of people, you know, travel to be with their families, they hang out with their friends, everyone is doing things with their family. Now yes. these kids do not have their own family, 
you know. So I said to myself, look, Christmas for me is all about family and who are the people I call my family. You know, so that, that was what that was what came up. That was what led to Project Impact. We started last year, 2015, and we had we fed over five, we fed 500 kids on the street. You know, the beggars, the less privileged, and we ended up having a party, a Christmas, a mini Christmas party at the shelter home um, here in Cotonou as well. So for this year, we're looking at extending it to a thousand kids. Wow. Yeah, huge it's huge but i believe that you know we can do it because i didn't plan to go as much as 500 last year i just wanted to you know just put in a few money and uh, bring in um, a little money you know just cook a little bit and just go out but i spoke to a, a few of my friends and you know i just had people donated some gave me bags of rice you know some gave me you know oil just put a, a put everything together and you know i mean when we when we finished everything we had over 500, you know, packs of food ready to go out and distribute. And, you know, it happened. So I'm just being very positive that we would be able to reach out to a thousand kids this year. We're going to make that happen. We're going to make that happen. And, you know, I mean, that is really the true meaning of Christmas. That is the true spirit of Christmas, not what we have and, you know, going to the store and buying and buying and buying and, you know, yeah. bombarded by advertising. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is it. You know, get real. You go to the street and you feed the hungry. That's yeah. that's Christmas, man. So how much how much money do you think it costs to feed a thousand people? Uh, to be very frank, I haven't calculated that. Okay. Well, you know I, what? You I come have... back to us with a, with a dollar amount, and we will try to help oh, raise, you know, raise some of that money so that we can do wow. that. How's that? Yay! Okay. Yeah. And then we'll come back. And, and if you have a question for her, don't you know? Don't hesitate to get involved in that. So Victoria Kong is with us. Hello. Oh, Hello, boy. Victoria. There's lots of uh, noise in there. Are a lot of kids. Uh, Victoria is the CEO of is it Kitabi? Is that yes. Kitabi Events. She's a multilingual entertainment consultant, an events producer, talent manager, and a public. Her, and she's been involved in events production for over nine years. And she became best known as a bilingual presenter. Would that be bilingual in French and English or, for, or Nigerian local language? <laughs> French and English. Uh, French and English. Okay. Uh, uh, for her, and, and you know, she was involved in the prestigious Cora, which is the All African Music Awards show, and that gave her a lot of exposure in the entertainment world, and so she became known there. And then she uh, started off on her own, and she became the CEO of her own organization, Katabi. And she's also a philanthropist. She's a founding member of, is it Jegedi, Paul Foundation? Is that how you pronounce it? Jegedi, but I don't expect you to pronounce it right. Oh, well. <laughs> and Jigedi. she's on the Jagetti. And she's yeah. on the board of trustees and has acted as the administrator for the foundation for the past three years, birthing and executing projects uh, like the annual slum invasion. I'll have to ask you about that, where you reach out to the slums and you empower slum residents through skill acquisition projects and scholarships to the children. And you're also the visionaire behind Share Your Closet charity sales aimed at empowering widows. And you also run the orphanage home and are the mother to the children at the Life Family Orphanage. Welcome, Vanessa. I, That's so neat. I feel like you know me better than I know myself right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've been responsible for starting the success of many a talented person in Nigeria, I have to say. So, you know, what is that like for you knowing that? I didn't get the question. Can you come again, please? That, that you've been responsible for really, you know, um, 
helping stars take off, helping people come to success. Yeah. You know, you're the star maker, really, in Nigeria. So how does that feel for you to know that you were responsible for the success of all these people? It feels really good. It's um, For me, it's like the only payment I can get for the work that I do. I usually say that money will never do it for me. Like financial, we need the money, but finances will never do it for me. Um, success for me should be measured by how many lives you're able to touch positively. Right. So right. it might seem like I'm working towards my own, I mean, it might seem like I'm helping people achieve their dreams, but in actual sense, I'm achieving my own dreams. Because really, um, it's very it's very rewarding. That's what I can say. It's very rewarding. You heard you heard Vanessa talk about um, you know how she goes in, in you know her Christmas in the streets event with the chicken and the rice and you say that you do the slum invasion. How is is that similar the things that you do? What do you do in in your invasion? Are you still with us, Victoria? Oh, did, lost her. Did we lose her, Ben? <laughs> I guess the network. It happens. Yeah, it sounded like she was in a mall or something, didn't it? Yeah. Maybe. Well, let's try All to right, get Vanessa. Yeah, we've still got yeah. Vanessa. We're cool with her. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know where Italian came from. You've got this. I love yeah, it. Yeah, Italian with a Z or a Z. Depends where you come from. <laughs> okay. Um, it's Zitalion, you know, coined from the stallion, the, the male horse. Yes. Now, the thing about it was, okay. The, the stallion, well, I mean, it's a very, it's a strong horse. It's, it's masculine and it's a very strong, you know, strong horse. Um, it has a lot of characteristics. I don't want to start mentioning them. But now the thing was, I, I look at everything I've been through. I look at, you know, my responsibilities because I was like the man of the house with my mom. Mm. She, 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 she fell back, you know, on me. She looked up to me for so many things. Even sometimes she wanted to make decisions. She had to wait till I was back and then she would discuss it with me. So I felt like, you know, the man of the house. And there's this um, thing where I'm from, you know, traditionally, they, they usually say I'm my, my father's mother, you know, so I was like, so I'm kind of like my mom's, my her in-law. It's just this traditional thing they usually say. So she really, really looked up, looked up, looked up to me for a lot of things. And then at the same time, I, I, was, I, was, I was doing a lot of masculine thing. I was, you know, combining both. And I used to be a tomboy while growing up. You know, so all of that put together, I just, I just like, I had this strong masculine side to myself. And looking through everything I've been to, I just felt like, look, it wasn't, I mean, I have to be this really strong girl, you know. And then I just, I was trying to look at, okay, which, what do I, what do I use to, to tag myself? What animal do I use? Or what figure, what item oh. do I use? And then the stallion came. I, I researched on it, you know, and I saw its characteristic. It was a leader. It was strong. It didn't like, it, it was creative. It didn't like to be boxed in. Like if you put it, mm -hmm. if you cage it, you put it in a place, it wants to break. It wants to be free. It wants to be left yes. to explore, you know? And so I said to myself, okay, stallion is masculine. I'm feminine. How do I, how do I change that to suit me? Mm. And, you know, the Z came about. You nice. Know, the F to Z, so it's Zitalion. And, and I know that there is no other Zitalion in the whole world. So I'm no. unique, I'm strong, and you know, I'm unstoppable. So that is how the Zitalion came I, into what a great, Okay, we're gonna stop you. We're going to another commercial yeah. break and we come back. That's a fantastic story, Zitalion. Sense <laughs> and more, we'll be right back after we pay the bills. 
me. Sometimes you have trouble choosing between being a couch potato or going out. Hey, it's a big decision for us scabberlatchers. A scabberlatcher or a ragabash is another word for a lazy person. Well, a couple from California seems to have solved the problem by inventing a motorized sofa. You may think they're just spinning their wheels, but people have spotted the couple cruising down the street on their drivable Davenport in West Los Angeles and Santa Monica. No word yet on the couple's identity, but a man claiming to be a relative said it's all well within the norm for his fun-loving cousin. I don't know if this Chesterfield on wheels is street legal, but either way, I think the police would have to put up quite a chase before they could couch him. It's marching day. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. A common food myth is that bread will make you fat. The truth is quite the opposite. If you eat the right kinds of breads and other grains, you can actually lose weight. The fiber found in whole grain foods helps slow digestion, keeping you fuller longer. True whole grain bread products will have whole grain or whole wheat flour as the first ingredient. If you see anything else, it is not what you want to eat, even though it may say wheat. A study in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition found that overweight people who acquired all of their grain servings from whole grains lost more belly fat than those who skipped the whole grains. You should still avoid refined grains like enriched flour, but a moderate amount of whole grain bread can be a great asset to a balanced diet. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Hey, and we're back, and you are too, and, and we oh, got you back. We finally got her back in Nigeria, and I don't know if she's on the on the move right now. She's going to look for a quieter spot. Hopefully, she's with us, and Vanessa's still here, and Brent Marshall is going to show up in a bit to talk about the movies, but... Hey, let's talk to Victoria. Are you ready for us, Victoria? Yes, I am. Oh, perfect. Right. Yeah. So what do you have what do you have on the go? Oh, I was asking you about the slums. What do you do with your slum invasion? How does that work? Basically, um, when we're gonna launch the foundation, I said to myself, I didn't want to do one of those high profile events where you invite all the people that have money. For me it looks like a show. And the foundation was supposed to be tuned towards helping a certain category of people. So I thought to myself, we should go launch the foundation in an environment where those kind of people will have access to us. So that's how it started. We went there on the first year. We had spelling bees. We took celebrities to them because I believe they do not have the money or the exposure to go see some of these celebrities. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was very touched by the outcome of the first of the lunch, which I did in the slum. There were the food that we take for granted in our own world, so to speak, was a big deal to people there. I had oh, yeah. parents fighting their own kids to even struggle with their own kids to have access to food. It was very emotional. So after that, I said to myself, I am not going to lose touch of these people who are also a part of the and so um, that's how slum invasion was birthed. How, how, how many people are living in the slums, in, pop, pop, you know, population-wise, compared to those who don't think? Oh, trust me, the majority of the population is from the majority slums. Majority of the slums. Wow. 
Wow. That's that's and, pretty tough. Uh, in, in October 2015, you 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 uh you, you did a charity auction tag, share your closet, and there were 30 widows present. Talk to us a little bit about that and, and your experience. Okay, that is well. As a matter of fact, we had, as we said, 15 widows who we had invited. Um, from experience, when you ask people for sponsorship, you don't get a lot of a feedback. So I said to my team, we're going to ask people to give us those items that are so valuable but they do not really need. For example, Can you speak up a little bit? Can you try to speak up a little bit? Because that, that baby crying is over, overshadowing your voice. Sorry. <laughs> wow. You're picking up the entire background noise. I'm so sorry. It's okay. Um, is it better now? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I said um, we decided to reach out to people to pick up items from them that are valuable, that they do not really need anymore. Mm -hmm. And so we sold all of those on auction, and the proceeds were supposed to be to empower 15 widows. In the long run, we had a bit about 13 widows who were present at the empowerment venue, even though we had planned for 15. So um, we tried to share some of the items and some of the proceeds, and we looked at the short-term business plan with each of these widows of what they could do, what they could set up as a business with the little um, income that we're giving to them and the connection people give to them. And basically, since then, we've been monitoring from time to time to see how the business is going. Okay. And how is it going? Are they, are they, you know, functioning? Like, they got a little bit on their feet. Are they, are they able to carry on? A few of them, yes. A few of the others probably didn't stand the test of time. Mm -hmm. So we organized for small-scale counseling for them. You know, at times, some people just need a pat on their back to say you can do this. Some people right. have lost faith in themselves. Some people... So instead of going to judge to say you have squandered the finances you were given for business, we try to get them counseled, and then we have learned lessons as well. For the next um, share of project, we are not giving money to anybody. We are mm -hmm. going to try to set up the business for you. So you tell us what you like to do, and we help you start up something. That so let me ask you, is, is there an industry in Nigeria? I mean, is that why, you know, is there jobs if people were to start something? Can they can they make it work for themselves? I mean, with so many people living in the slums, I, you have to wonder if there's actual work. Um, there's probably not someone out there waiting for you, but you can always create something for yourself. The okay. beauty yeah. about about Lagos, where I am in Nigeria, is there's a population, there's a large number of people. And so whatever it is you get into, you have clients for. So even if we're going to be selling just pens or pencils for writing, mm -hmm. there's a large number of people to purchase these items. So you can you know, roll over often if you're um, tenacious enough, if, if you push hard enough. So the jobs may not be out there waiting, but you can create something for yourself, and there's like a waiting market. There's a large number of people to purchase your product. I think, you know, like, um, I don't know if you know that Vanessa has, has her Empowering Women with Digital program uh, where she helps women who want to get into business learn the, you know, social media and, and how, how to use the digital world, which I think, like you said, Vanessa, like, you know, if you start something, there's a world waiting for you. And because of the web, um, you're not stuck just selling to people in Nigeria. You can offer services around the yeah. world. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
So I'm wondering, you know, if, if there's a, a way that you guys could even, you know, um, collaborate. <laughs> In fact, I was thinking about it already. Yeah. But it's long tradition. Yeah. What we do is that we partner with um, skill acquisition companies. So we go to fashion industry and say, would you help us train five people? We go to a driving school to say, would you help us train five drivers? So we partner with people in different fields. So when we go to the slums, mm-hmm. besides the entertainment and the donations, we believe in teaching them something they can use to fend for themselves. So for example, we will partner with Vanessa and add her to our list of partners. So when we go to the slum, we also have a few people register for um, digital trainings, of which we send them to her, and then uh-huh. she trains them for us. And Voila, people and learn a new skill and a new means of making a living. So yes, absolutely, I will hunt Vanessa down and I will make her one of the How expensive though would it be for someone to buy a computer and to get online there? Is it is that a possibility? It's part of what we do for them. Okay. So most of okay. the fields we train people in, we train people in fields where we know that your startup income is not so much. It's something we can afford to help you. So if we train a caterer, for example, we know that we can come up with small income for you to start a small pastry business, or we can book you up with a hotel who needs an assistant caterer, and we can say we can vouch for this person that she has learned and she can, you know, take and you So use. Briefly, um, you know, what's the what's the story behind the foundation? What, what's your story, Victoria? Like, why why did you start this? You know, because most foundations they're started because someone has some kind of a story. You know, a, something that bothers them, a pain, something that you know what yeah. I mean. What's your story, Victoria? For me, it's for me, it's two things. Um, from an early age, I was looking for a meaning to life. I, I knew there had to be something more than just going out and earning money and coming back home. I wanted yeah. to find that something and I was quick to realize that I got my groove from making other people happy, from solving mm-hmm. people's problems. So I sort of fine-tuned it and realized that I wanted to run a charity. I had different ideas of what it should be. I wanted to run like an open kitchen where people could come and, and get free food, for example. But then something tragic happened along the line, along the line in our life. I lost my older sister, we were very close. And I'm sorry. Felt like I lost everything at that time. Life lost the meaning. I couldn't bring myself to work. I literally threw out all my jewelry and everything that looked like it was vain in my life. And so, and besides losing her, though, well, we couldn't get across to the husband and the kids for a very long time. So there was a need to do something. Yeah. Let, let me ask you this, because, you know, here in America, if you lose your sister, you go to a psychologist, you go to a social worker. You, I mean, if, when there's a, there's a tragedy, you go to a specialist. It's not the same Nigeria or Benin, right? No. no. What happens? What happens when, 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 when you, you get a tragedy? <laughs> you just go people to are, uh, you go to God, you get on your knees no, and you pray, people- right? It's different for different people. People around here are not very open to going to the psychiatrists or psychologists here. But yeah. incidentally, in my case, I had to see one. I, I oh, really? had to court yeah, a psychologist for about a month because mm-hmm. it wasn't getting better after the first like two years. Mm. So you come out looking strong to the world. You come out yes. with a smile. But I know what happens to me when I'm back in my closet alone. 
I'm crying, I'm beating myself and also Yeah. Like I literally had to go through that process and it helped a lot too. Yeah, change happens best in chaos, I think. You know, one of the things that they... I just wanted to just mention one thing, Fred. One of the things that that they do here, the ladies do here... um, uh, is We have a store like My Sister's Closet, where instead of giving... They donate... So, like, suits that that these ladies can wear to a job interview. Or, you know, clothing that they can... um, well, because a lot of times, you know, when you go for jobs, the pros, people don't feel confident. The right clothes on, it can make all the difference for you. You broke up a little bit. Uh, yeah, you walk right? taller, you know? Oh, did I break up? Yeah, you just walk taller and, and you know, when... Um, so that's, that's one thing. I don't know if you guys are having something like that. Or maybe you already do have something like that, where people donate the clothes to... to so they're looking for work. Again, um, around here, people are not even so open to donating their clothes. There's a lot of beliefs about what people think with your personal <laughs> So you need to convince people, you need to enlighten people a lot. But like I said, for share your clothes, we got a number of people who eventually agreed to send in clothes. And the ones who didn't want to would say to you, I can't, I don't know who's going to be wearing my clothes. I can't give them out, but I'll give you some money. Ah. Yes, do so a few wow. people rather than giving their clothes that's a different attitude yeah wow yeah. and there's this um there's this idea there's this thing about i mean africa in general sometimes we attach a lot of spirituality to what we do like some people, like she said what she said some people don't like to give out their clothes because they believe that if they give out their clothes they they have this spiritual attachment to their clothes you know, mm. so when someone else wears it, they don't know what the person's going to do with their clothes or they could do like, you know, a spiritual thing and uh-huh. it could affect them. So a lot of people do not really like to give out personal attack, personal things. Oh, okay. and it's just a mentality over here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I see. Interesting. So <laughs> we're, we're going to go a break shortly. Um, but we uh, I wanted to ask you, what is on next on the horizon for you, Victoria? What do you, where, what's the big plan, the big life plan? Um, we've got Share Your Closet. Um, no, we've got Slum Invasion first coming up in a few weeks. Um, I'm also thinking of enlarging the orphanage home. At the moment, we take a maximum of 30, uh, 20 children at a time. But we're thinking of possibilities of expanding and reaching out a lot more to not just children anymore, expanding to like um, women, abused women. And hold your thought. Hold your thought. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Close your eyes and imagine living your life without limits. Where would you go? Who would you meet? What would you do? During an Uncover Your Hidden Genius session, you will discover what's keeping you from living your life with purpose passion, and fulfillment of your potential. You'll get a clear vision of the steps you need to take to uncover your hidden genius so that you can live a life without limits. Sessions can be done over the phone, Skype, or in person. Find out more at www.JoyceBufordEmpowers.com or by calling 903-287-0747. This is the Tokenet Radio Network, radio with a cutting edge. It's words you never heard. A few 
years ago, some fishermen off the coast of Italy discovered some pottery along with fish in their nets. Divers were called out and discovered an ancient Roman ship whose galley, or caboose, a nautical term for kitchen, was extremely intact. Some of the food uncovered on board was pickled fish, wine, oil, and grain used to make the ship's biscuits, otherwise known as dandy funks. It is thought the 2,000-year-old boat was probably on its way to Spain when it sunk and was covered by layers of mud, baggy wrinkles and all. Baggy wrinkles are another name for the ship's ropes. The mud protected the ship from wear, explaining why the leftover food on board was still in such good condition. We land lovers may not be familiar with leftovers on the sea, but we are familiar with leftovers in our kitchen. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. And we're back. You're back with Frankie Sensen Mori. I'm your host, Frankie Picasso. Frederick By, my co-host, is here. Vanessa, I'm not even going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> and Victoria Nakong is here. And we're all here. And now Brent Marchand is here. And Brent is the Good Radio Network's movie correspondent. He comes on every month to talk to us about what great movies are out there. And today you've got three winners. And I saw two of them. <laughs> oh. Well, thanks so much for having me back, Frankie. Oh, I love it. You know that. So tell us so, what you've got uh, here. I'm sorry? I said, tell us what movies you're, you're going to talk about today. Well, uh, my, my first choice is a documentary that's playing in a number of theaters in, in limited release right now, but it should be coming to DVD at some point. Uh, it's called Gleason, mm-hmm. and it's a biography of a former football player named Steve Gleason, um, who, after he retired from playing, was diagnosed with ALS. Mm. And rather than let his condition get him down, he decided he was going to do something to try and make the most of the time that he had left and also Mm. to benefit others who were uh, similarly afflicted. What he did is he established a foundation known as Team Gleason. He got a lot of other uh, former players and other celebrities to get behind him and back it on it to raise funds for helping ALS victims um, realize, you know, like bucket list kind of dreams, mm-hmm. uh, right. and also to uh, help them uh, make their lives more fulfilling by uh, make, giving them access to technology and other means of support to make their life easier. Mm-hmm. And then that's years later... Disease. I'm sorry? I said, that's just a horrible disease. It really is. And, for, and the for thing our that, listeners out there, well, what's ALS exactly? It's the Lou Gehrig's disease. Have you heard of that? It's where everything, like your body, um, eventually you just can't breathe. Yeah, everything yeah, just yeah. stops. It's, it's yeah. really a very, it's a very cruel disease because your mind yeah. stays intact, but the muscles all go. Yeah. Um, oh. It's the same illness that affected Lou Gehrig. It's also the same disease that affects Stephen Hawking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, but it's, in Gleason's case... In Gleason's case, um, he, like I say, he decided to establish this foundation. And um, years later, it also went on to um, start raising funds for ALS research. He, uh, it was the organization that was behind the, the, the Ice Bucket Challenge that was so popular right, about right, a year ago. Right. Yeah. yeah. So he really, it, the film is a, it's, it's very interesting in the fact that it, it provides a very graphic depiction of, of what happens to him. Um, because it starts out not long after he's first diagnosed and then carries on to the point where 
he's wheelchair-bound and can't speak anymore and so forth, shows what it does to him physically, shows what it does to his marriage and so forth. But it also indicates, you know, that he's not going to let this deter him from living his life as fully as possible, uh, helping others, becoming a father. Um, yeah, didn't he go trekking in the mountains in a wheelchair or something? Yeah, he like, went did? trekking yeah. to the mountains in Alaska. He went skydiving. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, um, he was convinced not to let this let him, you know, get him down. Here's so stoppable. Yeah, it's really it quite an quite movie? it's quite an inspiring movie, and it's it's interesting in the fact that it's gotten a lot of buzz since it came out. It was the kind of movie that you know you thought was maybe going to play in very limited markets and not get much mm-hmm. attention, but. Uh, some of the places where it's gone, it's been held over, and they've had extra screenings and so forth. Because it's just—it's so inspiring to mm-hmm. see um, the you, examples set here that I think people are just going to love it. What did you learn about it? What, like, what did you learn in that movie? What What did it teach you about life? You know what I mean? I'd never give up. Never I mean, give it's up. something that you, yeah. you know. I mean, it's something that we hear all the time, but rarely do you yeah. get to see such a vivid example. Uh, as what's presented in this film. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I think it's, yeah, just fantastic. Okay, let's move on. Okay, so my next movie is one that's in uh, commercial release right now, very popular, mm-hmm. uh, Lawrence Foster Jenkins. I loved it. Which is the uh, film biography of a uh, woman who was a socialite and arts patron back in the 40s, was very generous with her, her money. She was quite wealthy. Uh, helping out the New York art scene in the 20s, 30s, and 40s. And she actually also fancied herself something of a performer. Um, the only problem is that she couldn't hit a note to save her life. <laughs> yeah, she was totally tone deaf. But, you know, what's really sad about this woman. And, and her, she got married at 17, and on her wedding night, her husband gave her syphilis. Yes. And, and the cure for syphilis back then was mercury. So they were giving her mercury, which is a poison, and it made all of her hair fall out. So she had to wear wigs for the rest of her life and have sores on her body that came and went. Go ahead, Brent. Sorry. But the thing that was so interesting also about her character is her art really sustained her in terms of giving her meaning in her life, giving her support, um, because at one scene there's a, a doctor who's treating her who tells her husband, played by Hugh Grant, that... He had seen syphilis patients who survived maybe 15 years with the mm-hmm. disease, but she had lived with it for 50. She was determined to carry on her mission of bringing art to the world. Um, and, you know, if she couldn't sing, well, so what? <laughs> you know, she, she enjoyed yeah. it. Uh, her friends, you know, kind of looked the other way about it. Um, uh, especially when she was being financially generous and supporting their causes. Um, but also the fact that, you know, who's going to deny a dying woman her wish of being, you know, celebrated in a way that she really enjoys? Um, Meryl Streep plays the lead as Florence Foster Jenkins. She, once again, is absolutely terrific. Oh, uh, I think she, she's almost a, almost a shoe-in for an Oscar nomination for this role. Um, and, Not easy um, to sing off key, you know. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> well, the thing is, Meryl Streep has a beautiful singing voice, so for her to intentionally sing off key has probably got to be quite a feat in and of itself. So um, she actually I also, played. Uh, she, just, let me just tell. She sang at Carnegie Hall, 
So that was her big, you know, tour de force. She sang at Carnegie Hall. And, you know, music lovers know that is the place in New York City where, you know, people go to hear fantastic music. So that was her, you know. In, in your in your blog, you write uh, honesty is trickier to manage than one might think, despite it generally being considered the best policy. Can you can you elaborate on that? Because I think that's interesting. Sure. Um, her husband, um, played by Hugh Grant, uh, is very protective of her reputation, making sure that um, she never catches wind of uh, any of the criticisms that people might have of her. Um, And some might say, you know, is, is anybody, are they really doing her a favor by keeping her in the dark about all this? Um, but by the same token, you know, it's also an act of compassion, you know, mm -hmm. allowing her to have her voice, despite mm -hmm. the fact that she doesn't have one. Um, and that's, a, that's an important lesson, I think, sometimes for us when we, we look at the question of when is too much honesty a good thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, in her case, it really wasn't. <laughs> no. And ladies, feel free to ask any questions if you have any about these movies. Um, yeah. I mean, in real life, she died of a broken heart. Yeah. Well, what about her entourage back then? You know, when they find out or when... I think her husband her... kind of take people off to not, to you know, be supportive of her. It was invitation-only audiences usually so that she never caught wind that they joined themselves. Yeah, her entourage really had her back. I mean, she was really, I mean, totally in the dark that anybody would have possibly thought that she couldn't sing. But she could play so, piano. I mean, that, that was really, you know, quite a feat to pull off in terms of the fact that over time she became to, uh, began to become quite renowned in New York art circles. Uh, how do you keep the lid on this? as long as you did, and that was really a, quite a, a tribute to what um, her husband's role did. Yeah, that's a love story, really. I mean, he had a girlfriend and everything, but that was a love story. He really, you know, there was a great love that he had, I think, for her be to do that for that many years. Like, that's pretty amazing. And it's fun that these kinds of movies are really selling now, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you, you mentioned that they're, they're in theaters and stuff like that because... I don't know. Usually, stuff with meaning. You know, usually, the, the the stuff that is mindless sells a lot. You know yes. what I mean? About the, these movies and all that stuff. And and it's fun to know that these kinds of movies are out there and they're selling. Yeah, <laughs> they're well, movies. Superplex. You know, I was. Surprised. Yeah, I mean, movies like Gleason and, and Florence Foster Jenkins have really been kind of the, the some of the saving graces of the summer movie season, which has been pre pretty disappointing mm. all the way around so far. Um, mm. Usually, it's a time of year when. You have all the big budget action adventure releases and so forth, and you get you know your summertime thrill rides and so forth. And and this year they just haven't been there. Those movies really haven't been coming through. So it's been nice to see that these so-called little artsy films have been stepping up to the plate and giving avid movie fans something really you know worthwhile looking to look forward to. Mm -hmm. Vanessa, Victoria, I'm just wondering, like when you go to the, do you go to the movies in? In Africa, in, in Nigeria, and Benin, and if you do, is it is it local talent, or of do you course. see things from USA? <laughs> Personally, I don't oh, even have to movies a lot here. <laughs> no, but the cinema culture around here in Nigeria is It's well big. developed. Yeah, people go to the movies, yeah. and then there's a lot of foreign movies out here. People prefer to watch foreign movies than even our local movies. It's, it's really? funny. How, how yeah. much does it cost you to go to the movies there? 
Um, wait, there, there are two prices, weekend and weekdays, but in all, it's, it's very few dollars. It will be about $10 or less. Oh, it's like here. And, and do you have, not like here, and do you have like treats? Do you eat popcorn there? Oh, That's very yeah. Popcorn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, of course. There's complimentary popcorn and drink in some packages. You know, some... you know what it costs here to go to a movie for two people and have popcorn? $40. Whoa. Okay. In Toronto, maybe Montreal. Yeah. Huh? Montreal is less less than really? that. I would say. Wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah it costs us like forty bucks a weekend. <laughs> Toronto is just a very expensive place. Yeah. In, in, in Canada. Well, even where I live, I live outside of the city. But okay, Brent. Sorry. Remember. Oh, no problem. No problem. And my that last movie is called Remember, which is available oh, on DVD, good. Blu-ray, and uh, video on demand. Uh, it's a Canadian film that came out earlier this year in very limited release and also played at some film festivals. And it's very quietly been developing some buzz as people are beginning to discover it. Uh, I don't want to give away too much about it because it's no, a very oh, suspenseful it's a beautiful movie. But Christopher Plummer is a lead actor. Yeah, it's, um, it, it stars um, Martin Landau and Christopher Plummer as a pair of octogenarians who managed to survive Auschwitz. Oh and my gosh, we're uh, running out. We've got a minute left. we got a minute okay. left. I'm so sorry. Yeah, no, no problem. Well, we can't give away the plot anyway because if you do, <laughs> they survived Auschwitz and then, you know, life goes the important, on. You have to read the, the important thing to remember about the movie is it, it explores the question of when does justice become vengeance? Yes. Uh, okay, awesome. we need you guys to go to www.zitalian.com and also we need you to visit our friend, um, Victoria at www.qtabbyevents.com. So Q-T-A-B-Y events.com. Thank you, ladies, so much for coming to us via Nigeria and West Africa and Benin. And Brent, thank you so much yeah, for thank coming. Thank you, guys. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, Frankie. Hey. Hi, everybody. We thank you, Frankie. Bye, Brent. You so much. Bye, Frederick. Bye, bye, Victoria. Bye, bye. Vanessa. Bye. All right, bye, Brent. Thank you, uh, Ben. This is Ben's last show with us. Clapping for Ben. Thank you for yes. being my producer. For the last <laughs> little while, we'll miss you. <laughs> bye bye, everybody. Bye bye. Bye guys. She's not you, she's the one way to turn the world.